0: look what's happening in our culture today june this month is known as pride month every social media platform is waving the lgbtqai2s plus flag as high as they can target right now is under fire for sexualizing minors sexualizing children the la dodgers is under fire for inviting the sisters of perpetual indulgence to perform with the Dodgers during their pride events. And when you think it can't get any worse, churches are celebrating Pride Month right alongside the world. Uh, I'm wondering at what point they just step up to the plate and start serving Bud Light as a wine replacement during communion. Guys, we need to talk about why many churches are affirming the LGBTQ sexuality as the norm now
1: my same sex attraction today is nothing compared to what it was back when i was living as a gay identified man the church often wasn't hey come as you are the church was don't come at all we don't want you kind of people here we need to have some people who know us fully and and know our struggles know our failures know the things have been done to us they're praying for us they've got our back the churches that have that The churches that are growing in that are actually becoming safe and transformational environments on all areas of of human brokenness. Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching. Your host, Eric Hovind, affirms the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you.
0: To my creation today partners. Thank you guys for hanging out with me. You guys are absolutely awesome. Welcome to the show. Uh, we, we have an amazing lineup this month. Uh, June is gonna be phenomenal. Next week, uh, I'm balling for Jesus, baby. I'm uh, I'm I'm gonna brush off my old basketball skills and and we're gonna have a great time uh talking, talking really about uh how we can use everything for the glory of God. The week after that, oh my goodness, they tried to kill her, and she forgave them. Uh, and then after that, protecting our kids from transgenderism with Miss Avery Foley, guys, it's a great lineup of shows. I hope you can join me each Wednesday at noon as we talk about these. Hey, if you're if you're uh, joining me from Facebook or YouTube. Welcome to the Creation Today podcast. We want to thank you guys for peeking into the Creation Today community for this conversation. We're just a group of people that are being discipled through weekly conversations so that we can be all that God has called us to be. And if you ever want to join our community, come on over to creationtoday.org. We'd love to have you. So why are many churches affirming the LGBTQ sexuality? Uh, The motto, come as you are, seems to be replaced as be who you are. Well, in order to answer these questions and to really help us discover if our inclusivity is actually pushing out or excluding Christ, I've invited my good friend Gary Ingram from the Love and Truth Network to join me. Uh, his, His... Background, as you'll soon learn, uh, is completely involved in uh, LGBTQ uh, and has now come to the place where he has a ministry helping churches understand what they need to do from the biblical perspective to be light and salt in this world that desperately needs it. Gary, welcome to the Creation Today Show, buddy.
1: Thanks so much, Eric. It's always
0: great to be with you. This is literally the subject that your ministry is talks all about.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is
0: a primary
1: um, area that we focus on, but it's actually a little bit secondary to the broader issue of general sexual brokenness. So whether that's heterosexual porn or adultery or fornication or whatever, but this really fits under that broader banner that we equip pastors in the church on
0: now. I'm, I'm seeing churches today that are embracing the LGBT, uh, movement. And I'm, I'm trying to understand exactly what's going on. Let me just kind of say from my perspective, I'm wondering is, is it that we've gone from accepting, Hey, come as you are to affirming in churches? Would that be the, the two different words to use to kind of, to kind of say, Hey, yeah, they've, they've gone from saying, come as you are and let, let Jesus, let Jesus heal you to restore you to what you should be and they instead just said no we're going to affirm who you are the way you are and jesus doesn't want to change you what's what exactly is going on in churches today
1: well i'd say if we back up a little bit more uh, uh in, in a time uh frame the church often wasn't hey come as you are the church was don't come at all we don't want you kind of people here and so you know that's where we really started in a, in, in a lot of respects we the church and even if churches weren't that you know direct it was something they didn't want to deal with in general sexuality certainly lgbt and i think a lot of younger uh, folks that grew up in the church or came into the church as as young believers and and grew up at, to become pastors and christian leaders they didn't want to be anything like that and and so kudos to them for not wanting to to be that way to starting off i think in some ways with a really good and positive motivation the problem is is that the prescription or the the end result has shot way past what is actually biblical and is now um it isn't just come as you are it is we are going to affirm uh, whatever identity you feel that you are and so it's this has shifted from um a, a sexuality issue a sin issue an immorality issue is what the bible refers to it as and again not just LB, lgbtq but there's a much bigger issue with um, heterosexual brokenness in the sexual arena but it's shifted from that to now even the church has embraced because we we swim in the waters of culture we we have unconsciously embraced the idea that this is about identity when actually our identity free christ and and after christ is that we're made in the image of god male and female period uh and and anything else other than that is not actually identity from god's design
0: so walk me through how that's happening do you have i don't know if you if, are there studies out there on how many churches are now um, I guess I'll use those words. Uh, you're right, though, it it was don't come affirming versus accepting. And then and 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 I'm also curious, is this also the result? is the pendulum that the church wasn't dealing with heterosexual sin very well? Then they weren't dealing with homosexual sin. Now they were not dealing with uh, gender identity and 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 people that are saying, I'm trans. It, okay, I, just I, I kind of want to hear you go, okay, just, educate us here.
1: Well, it's interesting because I, I don't know of studies out there that um, would segregate uh, kind of the three main areas of the church of those that are still <clears throat> kind of in the fundamentalist camp uh, versus those that have become you know accepting and, and are accepting of people wherever like come as you are and and Jesus is we're going to love you and and be exposed to the gospel, be exposed to what uh, faith and life in Christ looks like and and we're going to believe the Holy Spirit. Uh, to change uh, your life and then the the third camp being oh no we're going to affirm everything that you you feel and believe about yourself and and no change necessary essentially and i don't know what that the breakdown of that is what i do have seen um uh anecdotally is that there's a growing population of churches that are becoming um affirming churches and rather than preaching a true gospel we believe that there's a false gospel that's going out using a lot of the same language of gospel and grace. But leaving out words like surrender, lordship, sin, uh, and and instead, it's it's almost like a lot of churches are are teaching and preaching good TED talks uh that are about tweaking our flesh. And that's not biblical salvation. There's no real life in that. And so that those are huge concerns, you know, that we have. But you're right, Eric. The, you know, I was on pastoral staff for 12 years. I love the church. God used the church to rescue my life. I'm forever grateful and and will always be grateful. Our ministry is not about hey, you know, the church stinks, come on over here and we'll, mini- no, our ministry is about we want to strengthen and bless the church because that's God's plan A for the world. And, and so the more that we can strengthen the church, the better. Having said that, the issues go way back beyond where LGBTQ became popular. I mean, we there was so much compromise in the church around sexual immorality, uh, around sexual sin, and, and we're saying all the right things. And yet for so many, we're in our secret life, we are doing just the opposite. Of course, that's only been proliferated and expanded with the the age of the internet
0: so is so we've watched people come we've watched the church ignore sexual immorality we've watched them not be able to handle homosexual sexual immorality Um,
1: even to the point eric i would say that in the beginning even when people came to the church looking for help and support, like they might not have even been acting out, but yet they were recognizing, uh, like myself, I'm dealing with same-sex attraction and I really want some help and support. The church didn't even know what to do then. And some I've heard of situations where people were kicked out of the church when they weren't even actively living this out. But even if they were, even if they're coming to the table and saying, Look, I failed and I I've, I've been, you know, I, I've been living in sin and I've I've been acting out. Uh, again, whatever the the sexual sin is, and I want help and support. I really need to. Um, I, I, I'm I'm repentant, and and the church has not not only not known what to do, uh, but for a long time, until more recently, I mean, the last maybe couple of decades, uh, has not really wanted to equip itself to help either. That's changed a lot, and I'm very thankful for that. But we have a long way to go.
0: So h- help us understand a couple different things. Um... From the biblical perspective, I w- I've always taught, I've always read, homosexuality is wrong. Uh, it seems that that's clear from, from, from Scripture. It's the way the church fathers understood it. And now I read a book by Colby Martin, who's a progressive, uh, he would call himself a progressive Christian. Uh, the book is called Unclobbered, where he's going through the passages saying, wait a minute, maybe we've actually misread these all these years. Can you hit that real quick?
1: sure no absolutely i mean i i have not read that particular book i've read a number of books that um, have been written from a pro-gay um theology perspective and and that would that would be one more maybe there's uh, you know a few additional things in there that i've i've not read but the i'm very familiar though with um you know so-called pro-gay theologists going back and and read basically reinterpreting you know the the three main passages in the old testament the three main passages in the new testament they talk about um, uh, homosexuality and the way that those have been interpreted over time. And of course, what they want to exclude, uh, you know, it, those are always basically those are about temple prostitution. Those are about um, uh, men having sex with children, or those are about um, men or women who are actually heterosexual, who because of sexual indulgence or, sex, indulgence or sexual addiction, they engage in crossing over into the, um, the homosexual population or whatever. I mean, I read through those, and as somebody who comes out of um, that world, and as somebody who wanted at one time to to merge and 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 marry together, you know, a, a walk with God and homosexuality, I wanted to be able to have, you know, my boyfriend or my husband, and uh, you know, and a walk with God. I mean, at one time that would have been really compelling to me to to read those things and feel like, okay, I, I, there's Christian leaders saying I can have this, but the truth is it didn't, it, as much as I wanted that, it didn't bear witness with with what the conviction of the Holy Spirit or or even my own human conscience. And I, so when you look at Matthew 19, for example, and Jesus being asked the question about divorce, but then he goes back and affirms only two genders uh, that God created and that marriage was intended by God to be between one man and one woman. That those, every, by Jesus um, blessing and calling that out from, all, from the beginning of creation forward, he nullifies everything else. And, and so you have that piece, but then there's not in it throughout, did God not know that we were going to be in, in this stage and this uh dealing with these things on a on a an increasingly global basis? I mean, there's not a single positive reference in all of scripture to homosexual unions, to this idea of monogamous, you know, gay relationships. And uh, by the way, most mon- quote unquote monogamous gay relationships, from my experience and what I've read and hundreds of people i've talked to most of those um monogamous gay relationships are serial monogamy or where where two guys have been or women have been committed to each other for a long period of time in many many cases that's an open relationship where they're bringing in other people you know sexually and other things that's not in in every case but that is um far more common than than what most people would realize so um and again we have polyamory knocking at the doors of the church we have polyamory knocking at the doors of culture how far do we open up the floodgates uh, and normalize um, things that are, are going to be normalized on the basis of love is love? If that's true, then what's off limits? If that's the litmus test, is there anything that's off limits um, for us? And uh, yeah, so anyway, again, there's not a single positive reference in all of scripture. I think the the pro-gay theologists are working very hard to justify something that they want to find in scripture and they have to do a lot of backflips and a lot of gymnastics to to try to make that um, a reality.
0: I was I've been thinking and praying about this honestly for for some time now. Going okay, what's the point, God? What what? Why is this happening? Why is this coming to the forefront? What's really going on? And I had a a thought. Uh, I'll, I'll, I I called it an epiphany. I'm hesitant to call it a a revelation, uh, but. Like, okay, let me run this by you and just get your thoughts on this before I have to let our social media go. There really are only two kingdoms, gods and not gods. There's two worldviews, God's worldview and the not God worldview. And yes, many people try to blend these two together, but really there's really only two, God's word, man's word. And, and, and really we know that Satan cannot create anything. All he can do is pervert And so we see throughout scripture, throughout time, Satan trying to steal glory from God, take away glory from God. That's why he was cast down. He became proud. God was getting the glory. He wanted the glory. And it was his pride of wanting the glory that God so rightly and justly deserves. And I thought, I wonder if this is just a form of cultural pressure, Uh, We're here in June. It's pride month. Wow. You had, let me just put it this way. You had, if you don't want to be canceled, you better bow the knee. You better just bow the knee. And I thought, oh my goodness, is that what's really going on in all of culture and all society? Satan wants you to bow the knee to something that is not God. Is that, could that possibly be the big overarching picture of what's really going on here? Satan wants you to bow the knee to say, I'm okay with to affirm something that is not God's design. And he's stealing glory, getting you to bow the knee to that. When in reality, the Bible says, no, no, no. One day, don't worry, every knee will bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So could it be that this whole thing is actually just a way to try to steal glory from God and get people to bow the knee to something that is not God?
1: I, I totally agree, Eric. I mean, I, I think that's that's very true. Uh, I, and also just to, to kind of piggyback off of the point you made earlier, it is absolutely true, we see it over and over again, that Satan, while it's as if he wants to be able to create. It's as if he, uh, again, to be like God, right? Um, and and that pride that went before him uh, that really was about his demise, of course, that's, I mean, of course, and we're talking about Pride Month, right? It All of it is bathed in pride. There's no other sin that I can think of, no other area of human fail, failure or frailty uh, that we actually have gathered around with uh, pride signs and, and reveling, uh, to, to glorify it. And yet we have in this, in this arena. And, and what's I think particularly, um, behind a lot of this is if, if we, according to Genesis one and 27 have been made in his image as male and female, if there actually is a way in which God has made us of equal value as male and female, but has put uh, different aspects of his image within us as male and female to reflect him on the earth. Uh, to reveal him on the earth, is it any surprise that Satan hates that? Angels do not bear the image of God. Animals do not bear the image of God. Only human beings bear the image of God. And so, to attack that directly by bringing about confusion sexually in terms of same-sex attraction and desire. Again, I was there. I was exclusively same-sex attracted at one point, and and have now been married, you know, to my wife Melissa for sixteen years, and have two boys of our own, and and so grateful for the restoration that God has brought about in our lives and in the lives of many others that we know, by the way, who've come out of that world. But this, to take it even further from, from confusion about same-sex attraction into, no, I'm actually the wrong gender. And frankly, I'm going to be my own God. I'm going to redefine who I am. It, it sounds like so often, I mean, one of the enemy's tricks is uh, to to convince us that we actually are our own gods, that we actually... Can forge our own way forward, and actually, we are worshiping and bowing at the at the feet of of the one who's bringing about ultimately demise in our life. He's the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And and in our when Romans one says that um, professing themselves to be to become wise, they actually have become fools. Uh, there's a way in which we are agreeing with the very one who is about our act uh, our total destruction. And so, yeah, I I think that ultimately that is behind. Uh, what's going on? And also, I want to really stress here: it's not just about holding on to truth for the sake of truth. That that is reason enough. There's no doubt about that. it, it holding on to God's truth, but it's also about the reality that God's truth produces the greatest human thriving. So, churches that are saying that they're being loving, that they're being gracious, that that they're being so kind, in the end, the people that they are lying to, the people that they are um, compromising toward, the people that they're lowering the bar. Uh, Four are actually the ones who are going to have to pay the price for the sloppy grace that the church is uh, is metering out today. Not all churches, obviously, but increasingly a number of churches that were once that once went by the label evangelical, maybe even still do go by that label, but they've shifted away from the true gospel and away from authentic love to something that is really sloppy and is not actually helping people thrive in this life or uh, the coming.
0: So what would you say to a pastor who feels like, I, I'm just being loving. I'm just being kind. I am being sensitive. Have you heard their story? What do you say to somebody, a pastor like that?
1: Absolutely. And I think that we need, to, as Christians, we need to be far more sensitive uh, than we actually have been to the to the plight of of those coming out of the LGBT community or those within the LGBT community. Frankly, we need to be a lot more sensitive to the plight of human beings in general. Those that have been that are leaving single lives who are are desperate and longing for marriage and yet haven't found that partner, or those who have been divorced, or those who are you know single moms. And I mean, there's so much that's going on in in our uh, in our world. And I think we need to embrace real compassion. But the but compassion, of course, is not giving somebody a wrong prescription and and uh, and knowing that we're doing it, or or at least. Knowing that the, we might disagree with the instructions, the Bible, uh, but we need to follow the instructions of the word of God. And so I get where pastors feel like, oh, you know, I'm being really compassionate. But if you look simply at 1 Corinthians 13 as an example and, and go down, you know, from from verse one, go through. And of course, Paul is laying out this incredible chapter on love and what it is not and what it is. And when he gets to verse six, he says, love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. That is the bottom line. I mean, and, and, and the way that we act out love, the way we do love, we don't, love is not prideful. It's not arrogant. It's not boastful. It's not self-seeking. You know, it it is uh, it is gentle. It is compassionate. But it, but to define love clearly, it does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Too many times we as Christians are actually saying that we're loving, but we're not loving biblically because it doesn't meet um, what Paul is saying there in, in uh, verse 6 of First Corinthians 13.
0: That's powerful. So let me ask you this, based on what you said earlier, how, how it, it destroys. Do, does homosexuality destroy?
1: Sure. Sexual sin destroys. I mean, Paul in 1 Corinthians uh, 6.18 says, run from sexual immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the one who sins sexually sins against their own body. And of course that applies to women too. And so Paul is a good father is warning us all forms of sexual immorality, whether that's homosexual, LGBT, uh, um, heterosexual, certainly, which of course the heterosexual uh, sin issue is still, immorality issue is still a much bigger issue in terms of the numbers. But yeah, everything that fits within that umbrella. So, so here's the thing, um, the, the true uh, way that God created um, sexual expression to be lived out uh, is between one man and one woman in the covenant, in the container of, of committed, covenantal uh, marriage relationship. Everything outside of that is immorality. Everything outside of that is sin. And so, um, yeah, it is absolutely destructive as all sexual sin and immorality is destructive.
0: Wow. I and mean, then you're right. The the heterosexual sins are the bigger issues we, as far as numbers, as far as stats. And we're focusing on this one. So I guess, is it just that the church needs to learn how to deal with sin better? like, how, how, Or is it that the church is, and this gets into the church theology, are we doing it wrong? Are we like, hey, sinners come to church rather than believers come and fellowship together and let's go out and be the light. Maybe maybe that's part of the problem. But uh. I, think the, the, I think the root issue is that
1: um, as human beings, we still all struggle with shame. I mean, I think it's a fascinating statement that before sin enters into the scene, you know, Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. I mean, it's such an interesting uh, verse to to include their statement to include that they were naked and unashamed. There was a a, a lack. There was no sin, of course, and there was a, a a lack of shame. But even as Christians, we still deal with a lot of shame. And I don't think really there's. I don't believe there's anything that that feels more shameful than in the than in the arena of the sexual. And and so for for you know, I mean for years and years and years, decades. Uh, the church has communicated truth but yet has not, um, has not really developed a, a platform or a framework. That, that'd be a better uh, word of saying, uh, idea is framework. They've not developed a framework where we are truly walking alongside each other in, um, in ways that are open and vulnerable. I know like John Wesley, uh, you know, just forming all these different pan Wesleyan uh, uh, churches that have sprung out of that. And of course, there's all kinds of mess going on in the United Methodist Church is one example right now in terms of really orthodox Bible-believing churches and, and those that are inviting in drag queens to do their children's story hour you know, in the front of the church. There's this wide disparity within the UMC. And, and, uh, but John Wesley, one of the things that he believed was so important were, were bands, of were small groups of men, small groups of women, and you're getting real and vulnerable with each other. I didn't even know that that was John Wesley's perspective. Um, I, came, I, I came upon that later, we have said for a long time that the church is not encouraging men and women to actually be real and vulnerable. We are all living lives, double lives. We're all living lives, putting our quote unquote best foot forward, um, making uh, everybody believe we're casting an image that's not fully accurate because we're keeping most of the ugly and, and, or bad and, and all the ugly in the background. But we need to come. We need to have some people who know us, some brothers, some sisters who know us fully and, and know our struggles, know our t- failures, know the things that have been done to us. They know us fully. They're praying for us. They've got our back. It's a band of brothers, band of sisters. I see that um, lived out almost nowhere as I'm traveling the country and speaking in churches. It's very rare. And the churches that have that, the churches that are growing in that are actually becoming safe environments, safe and transformational environments on all areas of, of human brokenness. So that I think is this um, this uh, counterfeit and 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 uh, the the lack of integrity has, is really the thing I think that's opened ultimately opened up the doors over the course of time for us to be where we're at today because as you said, the church is meant to be salt and light. That was very clear, is very clear. and too often the church has abdicated that role of being salt and light because we've said one thing, we've often done another and it's really diminished our uh, witness and our spiritual authority. To, to be the salt and light. I think where we're at as a culture lies at the feet of the church, largely. And that's a, that's a sad thing to say, but it's the truth. And, and if there's change is going to happen, it's going to come through revival, it's going to come through the church, it's going to come through genuine repentance of people that have known Jesus for a long time and have been living those double lives and are sick of it and done with it. And they're gonna be pursuing Jesus out of a genuine heart and inviting others to join them in that process.
0: Wow. That really does get down to the heartbeat of what it needs to be. It needs to be you and others loving each other as Christ loved the church, having that kind of love for one another and saying, hey, Love, unconditional love, let's but let's deal with this and get our life back to that's why that's why when you think of rehab programs, it's okay, guys, and it's unbelievable accountability. It's changed the environment and let's have some unbelievable accountability right here. My goodness. And the problem is
1: with rehab programs, for example, I'm I'm so glad that they're there, but the majority of the church either stands kind of against that, like we don't want those people around, or they're kind of all clapping and all excited that the church has this program for those people. And we're not recognizing I'm those people. Like, it, it, I mean, I w- whether I'm living out sexual addiction or some other thing, we all have bents toward uh, one or more area of sin. It, we, my former pastor used to call it besetting sin areas. We all have those struggles, and the idea that only those really broken folk need that kind of accountability, that kind of those kind of loving bands of brothers and sisters is a complete fallacy. We all need it. If we don't have those relationships. We're not living a biblical Christian life.
0: Well, I need to let social media go. I want to ask you about uh, your advice to somebody who experiences same-sex attraction. Uh, maybe they haven't acted on it. What are your thoughts on that? I want to ask you about that. I want to. I want to get more into what should a uh, what should a church do if their church is uh, affirming LGBT uh, sexual sin and saying it's okay how should they respond but i need to let social media go hey guys thank you for joining me we're here live uh wednesdays at noon would love to have you join me next week uh it's gonna be a fun show I- i'm looking forward to uh, uh getting my uh getting my basketball skills uh unrusted and see if i can uh, see if i can compete in the basketball arena as we talk about balling for christ and uh, some of the amazing things that have been done uh, just to share the love of god using a basketball Uh, We'll do that next week. And then again, great shows all month long. If you want to watch the rest of this show, come on over to creationtoday.org. God bless you guys.